Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarn. Dan is not here, but we got Andy on the wheels of steel. Happy to have you here, Andy. He's got like a Matthew Della Dodova look for people out there, just so you know. No, like <laughs> Headhunter. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah actually, he, he already took out my ankle and knee and uh, various other joints. You, th- this was your fault. The man is, as Atan Thomas says, the Tanya Harding of the National Basketball Association. Joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? You uh, guys are so wrong, and we're starting off the show wrong. Della should get a break. <laughs> He is, you mean Delhi? <laughs> Delhi, whatever. He should get a break. He is one out of three. He was wrong wrapping his legs up around Chicago guy. Taj Gibson. Taj Gibson. Yeah. The other two were purely incidental with not, no malice in his heart. I don't understand this. And, uh, and actually, it's reverse racism. Oh, he's being singled out because he's a white guy. No. And the only way he can be in the league is to, is to do all this dirty work if, and all this nonsense. Anything, the guy's playing hard. Wow. I respect him. I dig his game. If anything, he's singled out because he, he looks like Mark Wahlberg's homeless little brother. Exactly. That's and my point. Don, See Don, that? Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> Otherwise, that's reverse Don, racism. No, 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 no. He, he looks up to Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> don't, don't, don't say reverse racism and expect to be on this mic. Also, joined by me, Mark. Back. How you doing, me, Mark? I am a victim of reverse, reverse racism. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. There's no such thing no justice, as reverse racism. No peace. Unbelievable. That's a phrase. I knew you guys would jump that's on that. Unbe- yeah, coach. And you saying it, man? How dare you? <laughs> no, sir. I mean, there, there, is, there is some negativity to that. I, I, I really think he's being singled out unjustly here. I really, okay. really, and I'm a referee for 30 years, and I do not see any fault 
with the Horford incident and definitely not the Corver incident at all. Well, you know what? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And that's all that's I got to say about that. So, okay. Well, let me just tell you about the show, man. Come on. <laughs> like, some, some, some things happened in the sports world this week. What? You might have heard. Uh, yeah, only the biggest story in Eons, uh, FIFA. Down goes FIFA. I, I dig it. I dig and it. we're going to talk about that after the break. We are also going to interview uh, Rebecca Ryder from Swish Appeal about not just the upcoming WNBA season, but the trials and tribulations of one Isaiah Thomas. Mm. And... We yes, are going yes, to have yes. a segment on the show this week. We're going to wrap up the show by playing a little game called Make Mark, Mark Cry, Cry oh, where baby. Mark is going to try to defend <laughs> the idea that Johnny Manziel is going to have a monster season and Coach and I are going to make him cry. We'll Coming be back strong. after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge Sports Radio. Don't by the coach. Kevin, how are you doing, coach? My man. Me, Mark. How are you doing, me, Mark? So good. FIFA. We have discussed this reptilian organization on this show for a long time, and Seth Blatter, their lizard king, has been the topic of much conversation on this show. We've talked about the corruption so much in FIFA that it's easy to get jaded. So jaded, we might as well be green and carved lovingly in East Asia, hanging around the neck of a princess. Go, Dave. It's a go. jade reference. Wow. Jaded. All right. But yet, yet, you know what happened this week? <laughs> Fascinatingly, the shock of all shocks, not that there's corruption in FIFA by any stretch of the imagination, but that it looks like there might be a piper to be paid. Now, take a step back from it for a second. A multi- billion dollar corporation had some of its leadership arrested in a transnational sting operation operated by the Justice Department of the United States where they were arrested in a five-star Zurich hotel and frog marched out. I mean, I have a friend who's in Zurich at the FIFA conference. He said people are shell-shocked. Now, as we're recording this, it looks like Seth Blatter is once again going to waltz to victory as president, Grand Poobah of FIFA, for a fifth term at age 79, despite the fact that he is a sexist, homophobic troll who has facilitated human rights violations in countries around the world. Yet, you know what? His reelection will only make the argument even deeper. That this is an organization that doesn't need fundamental reform, but requires abolition mm. for the sake of the sport. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it, it's they have created this beast. Sepp Blatter is merely the person at the controls at this point. And I have to tell you, it's been a head-swimming week looking at all this. Mm-hmm. Like trying to weigh all the different factors at play. Because on the one hand, you're happy in a world that often seems that there's no accountability whatsoever, that it looks like some folks are going to be held to account. You're happy that vice presidents were arrested, so it looks like that if they want to stay out of jail, they're going to have to flip an old set bladder, and there's no way his hands are clean. Mm. Like, like you're, you're supposed to believe that in an organization built on filth, that he somehow smells of sandalwood. I mean, you, <laughs> you are happy... To see this. And yet, 
There are also still, once I've done dancing, my little dance, my little Irish jig. and Which is impressive. Know, thank you. <laughs> and drinking some moonshine <laughs> and feeling good. I don't know why I'm an Irish hillbilly, a Jewish Irish hillbilly. But I'll tell you, like, there are some things that are sort of outstanding in all of this that are just a little bit like, what's going on here? Just a little bit. Go day. At go. the edges. Go at day. At the edges. No, there's no go day. Just at the edges. And I want to hear what you guys think. Like, for one... I'm troubled by a U.S. Justice Department that can't seem to do anything about police brutality in the streets. Uh-oh. Yep. And can't seem to do anything about the bankers here in the United States Uh-oh. who facilitated the greatest economic crisis since the Great Depression that couldn't even get its own attorney general confirmed for six months, yet somehow has the wherewithal to conduct a transnational internet sting – Go in day. correlation with Go Swiss day. officials. I mean, no, that, 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 that's odd to me that this was something that they could pull off when some of the basic necessities here in this country are not hmm. able to be pulled off. I'm bothered by the fact the scope of the indictment at this point deals with just North America and a little bit of South America because I'm thinking back to all the folks in Brazil – who are displaced. I was down in Brazil writing about Brazil, 250,000 people. Mm -hmm. And I'm bothered, strongly bothered, by this lingering question in my head, which is very simple. The United States wanted the 2022 World Cup. It went to Qatar instead, and people listening to the show know that we've covered that issue. Mm -hmm. The deaths by migrant workers, the horrific conditions, the arresting of media members who've tried to report on it. Yet I really want to know, if the U.S. had won the 2022 World Cup, does this happen? Oh, my. Does the sting happen? And I really want to know why it is that the Qatari uh, uh, World Cup committee gave somewhere between, it's not specified, 250000 and half a million dollars to the Clinton Foundation when Bill Clinton was leading the bid for the United States to get that 2022 World Cup. Go, Dave. That just Go. seems really weird to me, especially <laughs> when all these reports emerged in 2014 about how Bill Clinton was so mad they didn't get the World Cup, he broke a mirror. Trust me, Google Bill Clinton break mirror FIFA. A million stories came out about Bill Clinton was so mad. And some people were even trying to give him credit for the, for the investigation into Qatari abuses and, and FIFA. And it's, just like, it's the worst kind of spin. Like this idea that that broken mirror showed people that Bill was serious. It's like he took hundreds of thousands of dollars from people who are slavers in the 21st century. Slavers gave him hundreds of thousands of dollars and he took it. I just I, I want this explained to me, and I want to understand why and how justice is done, mm. while also being very happy that some of these corrupt, corrupt people are being held to account. Maybe I could hear people saying to me right now, it's just that justice isn't perfect, and it's going to be messy, and there's going to be contradictions, and there's going to be things that so, you know no one wants to see how the sausages are made, and you should just be happy— uh, you know, someone wealthy and with power for once get frog marched out of the Zurich Hotel. And that's all fine and good. But the question still lingers. And the question also lingers whether Set Bladder is going to go down with this. I think he certainly could. He absolutely could. Because they're going to have to flip on him 
if they're going to want to stay out of prison as vice presidents. But he's done a very good job. I mean, I think from an intellectual perspective, I mean, the guy, if you just look at some of his comments about, like, women's soccer players, I mean, the guy is a, is, is a, is a troglodyte. Like, I mean, <laughs> seriously. Like, you could, you know, you could put up two and two in front of him and, and dare him to come up with the answer. Yet at the same time, the question, the question lingers about will he get his comeuppance? He's been so slippery in the past. Will he escape the clutches of justice this time? I certainly hope not. Doesn't this, doesn't this sound oddly, oddly similar to the Olympics? Yeah. Although I do think that the International Olympic Committee looks at FIFA and goes like, wow, you guys are extra corrupt. But one of the things, <laughs> extra corrupt. But one of the things they both have in common, if you notice, is where are they headquartered? Switzerland. Why are they headquartered in Switzerland? Yeah. Because you can register as a nonprofit and keep all your tax records completely under wraps, and they can't be subpoenaed by any international authority. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that's it's the one asterisk in Switzerland's uh, extradition agreement with the United States is that no mm. financial or tax information can be audited from Swiss banks. Mm. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Swiss mm. banks. Mm. I mean, that's where they keep the Nazi gold, people. <laughs> you know, if they could keep Nazi gold under wraps, <laughs> they can keep Seth Blatter's money under wraps, too. So does old Seth survive or not? What do you think? I don't think he does. I don't think he does, and I also think this is a story that could change by the day. And I also think no one's talking about this, but the Women's World Cup starts next week. And Seth Blatter's going to be faced with the question of whether or not he even flies there. Because when he lands, he's going to be in Canada, which Mm -hmm. is a very friendly extradition Mm -hmm. place to the United States. Seth Blatter hasn't been in the United States in years. Right. From what Jeremy Schapp says, he's waiting for uh, the the statute of limitations to run out. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Interesting stuff here. But now, my Fr- goodness, Friday's election day, though, right? Yes. So today, as we're recording this, it's Thursday. Thursday, right? Well, here's the thing. Um, two of the people, and I'm, I bet they're kicking themselves right now, but two of the people who were running against him dropped out because they felt like the the process was so corrupt they had no real chance of winning. One of them, in particular, Luis Figo, who's a, a Portuguese uh, legend on the pitch. Like, I wish he had actually run. Like, he he he's an impressive character. But now the only but he dropped out saying that this is a big sham. Right. But I think if they were in there now, sham or not, you might have seen people bail on Sep just for the sake of, you know, f- frankly, just keeping the, the circus afloat. And the person the only person he's running against is a 39 year old Jordanian prince. Right. No one's going to vote for the 39 year old Jordanian prince. So this is where we are. Let's see where we go. The story changes by the day. But, hey, we got to go to break right now. We'll be back right after this with Rebecca Ryder. Don't move. Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? Good segment. Good segment. Very good stuff all around. Uh, And we got good segments to come. After this segment, we are going to speak to Mean Mark Barry about Johnny Manziel. Yeah, me, Mark. How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm excited for that. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But before we get to that, we're going to speak to Swish Appeal and SB Nation blogosphere maven, Rebecca Ryder. Rebecca, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Weather's gorgeous and basketball is just about to start. What's that like? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Basketball is about to start. And I really want to get to the on-court stuff because I think the WNBA has a lot of really interesting storylines as we start the season. But first, I almost feel like it's like 
cl- like cleaning my, my my mouth out before a decent meal or something. Like I just got to wash it out a little bit and ask you about Isaiah Thomas, uh, the sexual harassment, civil war. Is he now the partial owner of the Liberty? Um, I know he met with players on the Liberty, and they all said the niceties afterwards. What are you hearing about that meeting, and what do you think the WNBA Board of Governors is going to do? I can't say I'm terribly surprised that I'm here and hearing nothing but positive from the players from that meeting because, I mean, what else are you going to say? No, I don't want to work under a proven sexual harasser. No, I don't want to work for a guy who's run a league and three teams into the ground. Mm-hmm. The next step would probably be, okay, then you don't have to, and here's your walking papers. Right. Mm-hmm. And what are you hearing, if anything, about what the Board of Governors can do or will do? Because the thing that's tricky about it, obviously, is that James Dolan, you know he's going to have some power and sway in whatever happens in that meeting. And so, so what, what is going to happen there? And for some reason, James Dolan seems like he'd be willing to jump in front of a train for this guy. So what do you think it is, is going to happen here? It is The problem is that I can hold my nose and accept him as a partial owner because I do believe that it's important to divest away from NBA owners in time, mm-hmm. to divest to owners that would prioritize their WNBA franchise as opposed to oh, yeah, it's something I have along with my hockey team and my basketball team and my concerts and this, that, and the other thing. Do <laughs> I like I think the way Isaiah you slipped Thomas... in my concerts because you're talking about well, uh, James Dolan's blues concerts, right, his blues guitar. I, I wasn't even thinking of oh, okay. his, <laughs> his heart and soul, but <laughs> I was thinking of garden concerts in general. Right, right, right. Do I think Isaiah Thomas is the right person for the job? No, I believe there are approximately 7 billion other people who would be a better idea. But that is the part that the Board of Governors can oppose and block and get in the way of, and it's not the worst part. My deeper concerns are they can't tell him, they can't say, oh, well, you can't hire him as president because we said so. That would set a dangerous precedent, I think, to have the league interfering in the governance of a team. And that's the part I'm most worried about. On a bus- at a business standpoint, I'm thinking of the Continental Basketball Association, mm-hmm. which what doesn't exist anymore. I'm thinking of what happened with the Raptors. I'm thinking of what happened with the Pacers. I'm thinking of what happened with the Knicks. An NBA franchise can survive years of questionable free agent signings and questionable trades. They can recover. They have the brand. I don't know if a WNBA franchise can survive that level of continued, persistent bad decision-making. Yeah, and especially when you're talking about a team in the largest media market in the country, which conceivably could bring disproportionate eyes to the league and to the sport. Agreed. Now, Theoretically, there's no such thing as bad publicity, but yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. That's theoretically. I always think it's a little different in sports, though, because then people are just tuning in for the, you know, the Kardashian show and not act the actual content. But like we're like later in the show, we're going to talk about Johnny Manziel to use one example of that phenomenon. Oh Lord! Um, so l- let me ask you: so preseason WNBA. Uh, what before we talk about some of the concerns I have about the coming season? What are some of the teams that you have your eye on to make a run this year? I think it's going to be very interesting because you have so many superstar players missing part mm-hmm. or all of the season. I think in one sense it creates a level playing field, and another you don't know what you're going to get until mid July. Mm. 
Now, there's a team that I'm very curious about. They've been a doormat in recent years, but they drafted two of my two of the first three picks. They're two of my favorite players, Jewel Lloyd and Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, and that's the Seattle Storm. Am I too high on the Seattle Storm right now? I think they can be good, but I also could also just be like have my NCAA goggles on. I think they can be good, but most likely not this year. They're dealing through a very large rebuild. Once again, they're not getting Lauren Jackson back. I don't right. think they ever will. Right, that's sad. They traded two of their starters to Connecticut. They're dealing. I think they're dealing with. I think they're dealing with a lot of rebuilding. They're building the foundation for a great team. Jewel Lloyd is a fantastic starting piece. Kalina Muscato Lewis isn't bad either. You've still got a leadership of Bird. She's got Mon- Renee Montgomery to train. I think they need a little more time. I think they need somebody else they can really, really build around. Maybe that will be Lloyd, but I think she needs, I think she needs a Robin. Mm. I don't know if Mosqueda Lewis has the skill set to be a Robin. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, yes. I don't think I've ever seen a player like Mosqueda Lewis in terms of how she plays, in terms of the way she moves around the court. I'm really curious if that can fly on the professional level. Yeah, did you mean skill set or athleticism? Mosqueda Lewis mostly is an outside spot up shooter, and if you right. ha- if you have as high power on high octane and offense as UConn does, then she's got space to work and she can get enough open looks that she can shoot 50-something percent from the field. Mm-hmm. If, she's the th- if she is the second or third offensive option for Seattle, I don't think she's going to have as many looks. She need, she's going to need to diversify. And she, I saw near the end of her senior season, she was diversifying a little bit. She was using her build to get more to the rack. She's going to need to do a lot more of that and be an all-around offensive player. Otherwise, she's going to be Laurie Kane. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, we're here talking to Rebecca Ryder, Swish Appeal, SB Nation, talking the coming WNBA season. Uh, the team that, of course, swept their way to the championship last year, Phoenix Mercury, finals MVP. So it's like kind of a two-part question. Maybe I'll just take them one at a time. I, I find Phoenix very fascinating for a lot of reasons. First and foremost is a sad reason in that one of my favorite basketball players of all time, Diana Taurasi. Uh, missing this season to play overseas. What does that do to the WNBA to not have Tarasi and her star power, particularly since she was the finals MVP on, on the championship squad? I think it does I think it does cheapen the brand, especially since she's not the only one sitting out for whatever reasons, whether it's rest or money or whatever. I think it does diminish the brand. It does give the perception of, well, why should anybody else care if the, if the stars that actually play the sport don't care? That That's that's deep. I mean, and that, that that's also hard to hear because I know how much she gives to the game. But at the same time, I respect, you know, anytime an athlete tries to get paid in the few years they have to actually ply their trade, it's and I'm, it is, I'm totally and it is conflicted. horrible for us in the U.S. that yeah, the, the big money, at least for now, we never you never know with the world economy. Right mm-hmm. now, is overseas, is in Russia, it's in Turkey. Yeah, and and that gets to, to my next question though about Phoenix because um, of course Phoenix has uh, Brittany Griner, and I wanted to know if you had any crystal ball style predictions for what you think the absence of Tarasi could mean for Brittany Griner and if the possibilities of the kind of monster season, not just effective all WNBA season, but monster season could be in the offing for her. Well, subtracting the seven games she's sitting she's going to sit out for that little yeah. incident with Glory with Gloria Johnson. 
Yeah, subtracting I think, that. I think that I think there's a lot of potential there, but again, she she's going to be the target because there's no Tarazi, uh, there's no Penny Taylor. So you've mm-hmm. got two major offensive options off the floor, off the floor. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be the target, and she is a very big target. Yeah, and missing I think, those. It's do I think be... she'll have a fantastic season once she gets back? Yes, I think it's going to take her a little while to get back into the swing. I know she's involved in the preseason, but sitting out seven games of a thirty-four game season is not a short stint. No, that's true. If you think about it, percentage-wise, especially, coach, you had a question, Rebecca. That's my that's my question. Uh, that's twenty-one percent of the season. What what is what is your comment on the length of the suspension versus you know? The NBA and just overall, mm-hmm. what is your opinion? Is that, was that too long? Was it heavy-handed? Your thoughts? At the time, I thought it might be a little bit too long. My guess was going to be five. I think as as more is coming out with her and with and with her wife, I think it's it's appropriate. And I think also the league may have to make make it clear that they would not sit by the way other leagues have. There has been there had been a lot of questioning in the media whether the WNBA was taking domestic violence seriously, whether they were actually going to enact an appropriate punishment. And I think, I think at least initially, I thought the seven games was in response to that as much as it was to the actual incident. And, and let's the, be, oh, sorry, go ahead. That the length of it was as much a PR move as a punishment, but the more I thought about it, the more it, it seems to work out. And let's be honest, too. I mean, you, you know they were conscious of a, of a largely male sports media ready to do the hot take mm-hmm. about, well, what? why don't women get punished as much as men? Like, just waiting to write that, like having the column pre-written practically. And I'm sure that that was, went into their thinking. So the, the great monster year from this from last season was, was Maya Moore, of course, last season's MVP, having 24-plus points per game. Um, what, what do you expect from Maya Moore this season? And also, who, what do you expect from Elena Deladonna this season? Because last year, her, her, she, she wasn't able to, to play the full run. The year before, as a rookie, she took the league by storm. What are your projections for those two? Because, you know, it's a league, like all sports leagues, built on personalities, and those are two of the biggest. Maya's good to Maya. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Enough said, huh? <laughs> I have not seen any change that would indicate that she is going to have a better or worse year than last year. She may, maybe she'll have a few less opportunities because she doesn't have McCarville passing because McCarville is an excellent passer. But Asa Jones isn't a bad passer either. No, that's the truth. Hey, Rebecca Ryder, we're going to do this again as the season goes on. Thanks so much for joining us on Edge of Sports. All right. Thank you for having me. It's Rebecca Ryder, ladies and gents. Swish Appeal. Check it out. Uh, we got to go to break right now. We'll be back after this. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. <laughs> Fellas, you know, I used to play this song on my college girlfriend's answering machine. I'd call her and just play this. And right now half my audience is saying, what's an answering machine? Do you want, you want to pick any other antiquated forms of technology to name drop right now? Like hey, don't make me take out my Commodore 64. <laughs> I will write, I will write some software. There you go. See DOS run. Run DOS. Run. <laughs> 
but that's neither here nor there. Coach doesn't get that joke. I, I don't get any of that. No, I mean, that's fine, Coach. Because I, I, I was in that song on my 8-track on the way to the studio today, so oh, I don't please. understand what you guys are talking yeah. about. But anyway, I mean, maybe right. if I was talking about parchment and smoke signals, you'd know what I was talking about. <laughs> but, yo, this is a segment we teased last week. It is called that we were playing Crying by the, the horrific Boston band Aerosmith. Uh, because, yeah, hard take, hot take on Aerosmith. Because we are calling this segment Making Mark Cry. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that Mark is going to argue something pretty indefensible. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go hammer and tongs to the argument. Not to Mark, because we love Mark. But to the argument. And let's see if Mark can stand the heat. In this edition, the first edition, maybe the last. Let's see how traumatic this gets. I may, I may run out of the studio. No, yeah, of, no, I of making no, I Mark cry. As Mark said last week, that Johnny Manziel was going to have a quote unquote monster, monster. Yep. season in yep. 2015. The operative word monster, and not monster like Charlize Theron as a serial killer. But monster-like. I would, I would also take that as a win if that happened. Oh, yeah. I would too. But we're talking Godzilla. <laughs> we're talking Kong, which is kind of a, a racist archetype. We're talking the kind of monsters that trample cities. Mm-hmm. We're talking LeBron, who is a monster, mm-hmm. moves seamlessly into Monster Manziel. That's what we're talking about. We're talking Jim Brown tips his koofy. Because mm-hmm. Manziel's owning Cleveland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mean Mark probably knows that Josh McCown is taking reps with the first team as we speak. That I do. In Cleveland OTAs, because you know everything. And yet, no, no, that was a compliment. Mm. And yet, he still believes this. So, Mark. Yes. Make your case. Whoa, 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 whoa. As a referee, we have to set parameters and define monster he can say monster is six tds and seven interceptions now we got to set a bar here yes 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 i think without question and we discussed this the previous week so nobody think we're springing this on mark (laughs) we said a monster season and i think we're being in today's past happy nfl generous Mm. said 3700 yards okay 21 touchdowns never no more than 14 picks. That is, that's too nice. So th- no, no, I don't let's put that down to 10. Come on. Put the pressure on the kid. No, 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 no. 14 picks is fine. 21 and 14 is A-OK with me. And 3,700 also A-OK with me. And audience, I know what you're thinking. Wins should be counted on this, but I got dismissed when I said we should at least hold the bar to nine wins. They said, oh, no, we don't want to tie this to W's. So, no, you know, you're not. giving them a reason the not to cry right there. The W's for a lot of things, especially not for the Browns. Oh. And especially not for QB stats, unless you want to look up what Ryan Tannehill did last year. 4,000 yards. 4,000 <laughs> yards really? passing yeah, he by Tannehill. 4,000 yards. I dig Tannehill. I yeah. didn't know that. Good for him. Oh, he made my fantasy quarterback this so year. But anyway. Bad. Yeah, so speaking Back of to Texas point. A&M. <laughs> so 3,700 and what 20, 21? 21 touchdowns. I'm not even going to put rushing on this at all. Okay. Because, Ooh, because I hurts. want to accept the fact that he's worked so hard in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being a drop-back passer you're, right there. Picking, staying in the pocket. Like you're, you're picking all of my points right here, Dave. Okay. okay. Right. Sorry, Go. sorry. Make right. your case, dude. Johnny Manziel is a joke, right? I yes. mean, yes. He, he he was he was coming right. in the last season. He came, he came in Johnny Football. Johnny Football is uh, was an entity coming into the, the draft that no one had necessarily even ever seen before. He, uh, he drafted as the second quarterback at the same time as Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, just a little bit before Derek Carr, but had 
astronomical expectations that were more than any of those people combined. Blake Bortles was the number three pick in the draft. Johnny Manziel lasted until the 20s. Still was expected to be this mixture of Brett Favre and Russell Wilson, but he'd never taken a pro pass before. I, I mean, at least some of that's his fault, but a good portion of that is the, the media, ESPN, who wants to talk about him every single day and still does. Uh, but I think that... I mean, uh, by by losing the job uh, before the season even started to Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer, who, if we're talking about monster seasons, threw for 3,300 yards last year playing in 12 games. So in, in the past, happy NFL. I think that's definitely something that could be surpassed by Manziel. I think that things went bad. He played in two games. He was pulled. He got hurt. Stats weren't great. Skip Bale is talking about the alcoholism. It's something that definitely happened. He missed meetings. He was suspended for the last game. He checked himself into rehab in January, spent 10 weeks there, uh, came out, as you were talking about, everybody. It's like being his new uh, coordinator, John DiFilippo, Dante Whitner, uh, Joe Hayden, Joe Thomas, who's the, the heart and soul of the team, saying that his commitment is night and day from what it has been previously. I think that Manziel is setting himself up for a really good season here. Now we can talk about the the wide receivers, and I'm going to throw out a name there. There's another person that's been – all of the dirt has been thrown on them, and that person is Dwayne Bowe. Dwayne Bowe, who zero wide receiver uh, touchdowns in like the last year and a half almost. It's been nearly forever. But you look at Dwayne Bowe, you look at uh, – Dwayne Bowe, former Kansas City Chiefs pro bowler who is yes. now on the Browns. Now on the Browns. you got to say those things for okay. the audience. Kansas, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, Don't repeat it. I just said it. He's getting ready to cry, Dave. He's up. <laughs> I, I'm not even trying. Coming. <laughs> All right, Dwayne Bowe, you got Brian Hartline coming over from Ryan Tannehill and his astronomical offense in Miami. Who? You ha- I'm sorry. All right. You have Brian Hartline. You did lose Jordan Cameron. You picked up Rob Hausler, who's another athletic white guy catch of a t- catching of a tight end. I think that – with it's like with that setup, with the offensive line that's going to get better with Joe Thomas and first round pick Cameron Irving, the running backs with uh, and uh, Isaiah Crowell with Terrence Williams, you got your third round pick Duke Johnson, and most importantly, I'm going to talk about uh, new offensive coordinator John DeFilippo, who came over from being a quarterback coach uh, at uh, Oakland, helped build up Derek Carr in his last season. He threw for 3,300 3, yards. I think that Johnny Manziel is going to come through. Been humbled. He's gonna he's gonna build himself up and actually be underrated this year. I think thirty seven hundred yards is a possibility. Possibility. It's a definite. There you go. There you go. All right. So that's the argument. Yeah. All right, coach. You want to go first? Just argue some stuff. What in the world was that? You laid the receivers. That is not even a two, <laughs> much less a one. <laughs> the only thing you gave me. My there, God. Okay. When I think of the poo poo platter of receivers <laughs> right. that Mark Barry just told us to oh, eat. No. Okay. I mean, that's like okay. a spring roll with crap in it. All right. Crap with pieces of corn. <laughs> let's let's in let's, a fried piece of dough. Let's let's compare it to the Oakland. Not Raiders only stuff. Dwayne Bow, but Brian Hartline. There you go. Dear God. I mean, come, it's like, I'm nauseous. All right. Can, can we agree that, De- that Derek Carr threw for 3,400 yards last year? Wait a minute. And, and Dave, yeah. he's trying to use an Oakland Raider yeah. as his defense. The Raiders have won, what, three games for the and last we're, 17 we're not, years? One, we're not, one, we're not, we're not, we're we're not talking about wins. No, I'm if just talking about a quarterback if, coach. If we're going to look at the wide receiver core that Oakland has, Denarius <laughs> Moore, James crying. Jones, who's a number four wide receiver on the on the Green Bay Packers, and it's like I, I can't. I'm, it's hard to name more than two receivers on that team. I feel now, like. Make him cry, I, I, Dave. You're forgetting um, Willie Galt, uh, Swervin Mervin Fernandez, mm. right. uh, Tim Brown. You, you might be making names. <laughs> Up. I don't even know. No, these were wide <laughs> no, receivers I, I, in the I, late yes, 80s. I, I, and who can I'm, a young, I'm a young Swerve person. I'm a young person, Dave. I love Swerve and Mervin. One of my favorite <laughs> nicknames. Look, 
Like the, the argument is, is um, just just awful. It's not. <laughs> You're awful. a good person, but the argument is just is just is is disgusting. And I want to tell you why it makes me so nauseous. All right. Because first and foremost, that your starting your starting point is that Johnny Manziel can play the quarterback position in the National Football League. Yes. When we have no evidence of that, and actually there is far more empirical evidence. How much evidence that someone, has there been? This is the stuff I look at. Has anyone of his height, speed, and arm strength? ever been able to make it in the National Ru- Football League. Russell Wilson? That's one name, and I knew you were going to say Russell Wilson. I'm just Wilson. saying. The profound— Jeff, Jeff Garcia. All right. The prof- no, Jeff Garcia was no. six foot plus. The profound exception to the rule, Russell Wilson, who is surrounded by an epic array of talent and someone who, by the way, this can't be discounted. I don't care how good an off-season Johnny Manziel has. Russell Wilson has had— 24 years of these good off seasons. Okay. That's Russell Wilson. I know there's an annoyance about St. Russell and all that stuff. Derek Jeter 2.0. Derek Jeter, all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, Russell Wilson, say what you want about him. You might not like the direction that head is pointing, but the head is on straight. Johnny Manziel looks like one of those dolls that you turn the head around backwards, and now they're saying, oh, I can turn the head around forwards. Boop, the head popped off. How long before that first interception happens? And he hears the sweet whispering of that brown, brown, delicious ale. And before you know it, the bourbon is flying, the JD is flowing, and the next thing you know, he's not Russell Wilson. He's he's Josh Hamilton, man, man. That that's uh, that's borderline. Up, that's folks. borderline offensive, man. Rooting for no, somebody to not. fail on that. I would never root for I'm anybody saying, to fail. I, I'm just saying the pressures are intense, and we're supposed to take. I would never root for him to fail, but we're supposed to take not only his word for it, but your word for it. Mm-hmm. That somehow one Uh-oh. good off season has corrected he's, years. Mark's tearing up, folks. Of awful behavior, <laughs> years. Of letting down his teammates, you you know what coach would have done well, with him, Coach how, Taylor how, how, how on many, Friday Night Lights. How many how many years has he let down his teammates? I mean, I can one, tell you one year, not I mean, just one year, right. not just one year. All those times that we never saw, and you know they were happening at Texas A and M when uh, when uh, Kevin Sumlin yes. was, was was just like, where is the leadership going to come from, Johnny? Can you bring it to the table? And instead of bringing it, he said, you know what, it's Miller time. As yeah. he's as he's throwing for five thousand yards, as he's beating Alabama, I, it's like the guy. It. The guy is a leader. Mark Cleveland, is Cleveland is a, a leader. Like, the guy is. You can't lead men if you act like a child. Ooh, that was a good point. He is a child. Dave's like you work your way in. Are you saying that Jameis Winston that these that these quarterbacks oh. that come in? <laughs> yeah, okay. Jameis Winston, Matt on, Ryan, stay on these, point, these quarterbacks stay on that point. come okay. in that yeah, that Jameis Winston. That's actually would be a good debate. That are gets me so off track. Yes, let's talk Jameis Winston. Exactly. gonna make it. But it's like the Browns themselves had a, had a top ten defense last year. Have two very good running backs. Ooh, he scores with a left the, there. It's like, and and what Manziel is going to have to be asked to do? He's not going to have to carry a team. It's like he's going. It's, he's going to be a quarterback who works off play action, who works with a heavy Ooh. running team. That he's going to have Mark a ball line the glass to yes. do all that. That was a good point, Dave. To, no, no, no. Because to do all that, you see, the supposition of all of this mm-hmm. is that he's going to start. And I am not even convinced Uh, that he's going to be starting week one. I could see them trying to work him into the lineup over the course of weeks. I could see them not giving up on him, but making this into the sort of baby step process Uh where they take a season to integrate him into the lineup and see if he can go a season, frankly, sober. 
Ooh, and can go a season. A roundhouse right. And he can from, go from and can also go a season where he's not acting like an ass. Barry back to the ropes. If you can be, let me. There have been a lot of leaders in this world who've been drinkers. Make no mistake about it. But if you're a drinker and you act like a horse's ass. It's not going to work. Down goes Barry. And I wonder if you take the drinking away, if he still won't act count. like a horse's Two, ass. My, my, Trump three, ca- my Trump card four, to the Josh McCown-ness is, five, I, as, as someone who's seen him with the exception six, of three games of the Chicago Bears, he's seven. a terrible quarterback. He's an 11-year career, never started that. more he's than up. 10 games in a career other than who twice. week one? Forget about up. the monster Johnny, argument. Johnny Even Menzel. assuming you're right, yeah. who starts week one? Johnny Both. Menzel. It's like McCown Ooh. finds a way to throw three picks in a, in a preseason game. If, if Manziel doesn't start week one, do you chuck this whole prediction? No. If it, if it gets past week three, yes. Oh, sure. That goes so, that's it. But, but I, you think it's possible that it could start week one? Yes. Because we've seen that happen before where some old incumbent mm-hmm. totally craps the bed week Matt one Castle. and the coach just says, you know what? Yeah. Let's just get somebody in there who can play the quarterback position. Absolutely. I mean, McCown goes from the worst team in football to apparently better than Manziel. I don't believe it. I just don't. All right, let's talk. Let's tell the listeners something. Your eyes are as dry as a bone. Yes, you handled yourself brilliantly. Thank, thanks for lying for you're me. You're Joe Frazier. No, it's true. You're Joe Frazier, man. You were a tomato can. That's nah, why. man. You're made of iron. Hey, Give we gotta go to break. Uh, we'll be back after this. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here in Edge Sports Radio a week from today. NBA Finals begin. <laughs> Coach, though, do you have any last words about James Harden and Dwight Howard? Oh, you guys didn't want to, to believe me when I told you that Harden is the modern-day George Gervin. Wow. He can lead you into it. He can, he can start in a race, but he won't get across the finish line as a win. What do he have? Now, game one, he didn't score the last five minutes. A loss. Game two, he didn't get a shot off in the last six seconds. Ball in hand, pass it to Dwight Howard for a three-pointer. Dwight gave it back to him. <laughs> game three, I guess what they lost. What did he do? That was that when game? he went like what three for seventeen. Right, three for seventeen. Three for yeah. sixteen with seventeen points. Right, that was it. Okay, then he has the big explosion with uh, with the forty-five. But it's over. It's three-zero. Who cares? Uh, go to state. Matter of fact, go to state. PR guy says you could talk to our guys after the after after we win for four-zero. So I guess I got him fired up. They won one game, and then he goes. Uh, what? Uh, he was two for eleven. Two for with 11. 13, 13 turnovers. turnovers. Thirteen That's a record. Turnovers. Yes, it's a mm-hmm. playoff yes, record. Yes. Mm-hmm. He broke the record of someone named like Joe Williamson. Like I cool. never heard of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm an NBA fan, yeah, right? And I will. And, and, and so, and again, he can grow. But I said he did his thing. He did the same thing at Arizona State, and that's why I've always been leery. But uh, maybe, he can, maybe he can develop a heart under under pressure later on. As for Dwight, all I can say, I, I was critical of him. And we talked about this, Dave. You know, I looked at his stats. In 11 years, this guy's been a double-double. 18 and 12. In the playoffs, he's been 19 and 14. That's why there's but some people who think – Yeah, that's why some people think he's actually a slam-dunk Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, My, which okay. I, which by the by numbers, numbers, he yeah, is. Yeah. But, Dave, he is so yeah, flawed. But not a lot of people have done 18 and 12 in their career. My you friends, know? I have refereed high school guys that post up better, that shoot free throws better. That uh, just do so think better. His, his basketball IQ is ridiculous. Let me tell you. I, I'll give you an example, and I know we're, we're running out of time here. When Curry got that offensive rebound yep. in front of him with one hand, he should have been up in the eighth row. I mean, unsailed Cart. Even Bill Cartwright would have done it. Shaq. They would have said, "Little man, get out of here." The bad boys would have done it. You're up in the in the rafters. Then he comes around and hit does a hit and run on Bogart. Uh, a uh, 
Yep. You yep, know what yep. I mean? And he should have been suspended. What do you want to hear? That you're right? Fine, you're right. Okay. For Coach me. Mark Barry, Andy, <laughs> we are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.